Morning, everyone. Sorry, I thought there was going to be another song, so I, uh, I, I'm distracted. I know. Um, there we go. The, the sketchy clicker. I, I learned something yesterday, I read in the Babylon Bee, that if anything goes wrong, you always blame the guys in the sound booth. <laughs> They've responded. I think Matt responded with a heart, so he loved that. <coughs> so, there we go. Um, it's good to have you here this morning. It's uh, um, still summer. September is mostly still summer, so you know what? September is actually probably one of my favorite months uh, because the weather is sleepable and um, uh, it's just a just a, it's more comfortable. So let's uh, let's take a minute and we'll we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here this morning. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and this time we've had to sing His praises and earlier this morning to remember Him. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help us as we look into this important passage of Scripture to uh, examine our own lives and if we need to change in any way uh, to become more like Him, that we would do so. We also would ask, Lord, that uh, you would um, speak to the children downstairs through their teacher. They may learn the Word of God and uh, that it may have fruit in their lives in salvation or in growth. And I pray for any who may be here this morning, if there's anybody who has never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that through just a simple message, and as we look at this, that they may uh, put their trust in Him. I pray for the outreach today in Digby. Um, I pray as these men um, go on the streets in Digby and, and seek to um, spread the gospel uh, with these bikers, that you would help them, that you would give them safety, and that you would give them utterance so that they may speak the Word of God. Pray for Janice as she is in Benin, that you would protect her and that her uh, supplies and luggage will arrive uh, soon. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to uh, do this in a couple of messages, actually. And I'll do them both this morning. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nobody laughed. <laughs> Daniel chapter 9. Now Daniel chapter 9, we're coming into a new little section. Actually, this, uh, most of the book of Daniel up to this point is uh, in the language of Aramaic, and this part is in Hebrew. Um, so it's one of the greatest prophecies concerning times, purposes, the coming, and the death of the Messiah are found in, in Daniel chapter 9. Uh, a gentleman named Edward Denny, I don't know who he is, but I got this great quote this week. Edward Denny calls Daniel chapter 9 the backbone of prophecy. Um, there are three parts to Daniel chapter 9. Verses 1 to 3 are the preparation. Daniel preparing for what's coming ahead. The second part is Daniel's prayer. And that is uh, verses 3 to 19. I'll, I will spend the time today on those, on those first two. Oh, I know they even put a red dot on here so I wouldn't get it mixed up. But there we go. I'm not used to pushing down for up. Uh, so 
uh, we'll spend the time today on preparation and prayer. And the next time, uh, we'll, look at, we'll look at the prophecy. It talks about, in the prophecy, it talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, the temple, the nation, and really there's no prophecy anywhere in Scripture that equals what you find in Daniel chapter 9. I'm actually looking forward to when we get to, get to do that part. So I'm going to uh, jump right in here. Wrong way again. There we go. I'll turn it this way, see if that helps. And it's not good. And Matt gave me the old one, which I said, that works rock solid. There we go. Now we're into the preparation. Let's read chapter uh, 9, verses 1 to 3. In the first year of Darius, son of Ahasuerus, the, uh, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of the, by the books, the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in uh, the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God, to make requests by prayer, supplication, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So, I don't have time really to go into all the history and all of the things about who Darius is and so on. There's a lot of great information on that. But Daniel, at this point in time, is in his late 70s. Daniel, as you remember, was taken as a captive out of, out of Jerusalem, and he was brought to Babylon as a teenager. So now, 67 years have passed. So Daniel has been there for 67 years, and he's a, he's a businessman in Babylon. He's working for the king, and he's been working and serving under many kings. And so this day, Daniel is sitting down, and he's reading the scripture. Specifically, he's reading the book of Jeremiah. He has the scrolls. Now, I don't know how Daniel ever got the scrolls, because they were taken captive. Their temple was destroyed, all of this stuff. Everything was stolen from, from Israel. And I'm looking at it and thinking, Maybe because of Daniel's position, he was given possession of the scrolls. Maybe he was able to ask for them because he had a more senior position. He was in the government. Anyway, he has the scrolls, and he's reading probably specifically 25 to 29. He's doing his devotions. He's sitting there and reading the, the, the scriptures. And then he comes, it says, it, he comes to the understanding, ah, the end of this is nearing. There's about three more years to go. He's moved by the fact that time is short. Our time here in Babylon is now short. It's running out. We've got three years. And he's thinking, probably reflecting back on, on what has happened. And so he, it moves him, it says. It says, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I think what Daniel's thinking here, and I don't know. I mean, how can I say what Daniel's thinking? But, but I'm going to take a guess. I think he's reading this and he's realizing, you know what, we're going back there soon. And I don't know if we've changed any from the time we left. I don't know if we're prepared to go back to Holy Jerusalem. I don't know if we're prepared to go back to our own land. We, we really need to pray about this because there's an awful lot of stuff that has happened that led us to where we are in captivity. And I'm not so sure we fixed all that with God. Because when you read the nature of the prayer, you're going to look at it and think, he is really pouring his heart out about what has happened in the past. And I think Daniel's looking at it saying, what's the difference if we are here in captivity in Babylon? Again, these are my own words. These are not Daniel's words, but, but I'm, I'm trying to put myself at that table reading the scroll. What's the difference if we go back, if we're just the same old people? If we haven't changed, 
If we haven't learned anything from this, what's the difference? How's that going to help us? So now here's the prayer. Now I put it up here, hoping you have your own Bible because that's like the best font I could get to fill the whole page. And I left my Bible down by my seat. Okay. I'll, I'll, read, I'll stand here and read it. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Verse four. <laughs> so I'm not standing in front of it so that you can't see it. I'm going to do this right here. Thanks. And I prayed to the Lord my God, made confession, and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy to those who love him, and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face, as it is this day, to men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those near and those far off, in all the countries which you have uh, driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord, our God, belong mercy and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us, his servants and the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him against God, that is, and has confirmed his, his words, which he spoke to us, spoke against us, and against our judges who judged us, by bringing upon us this, a great disaster. For under the whole of heaven, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. It is as written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might... Uh, turn from our iniquities understand your, and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord, our God, is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought us out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, as it is this day, we have sinned and we have done wickedly, O oh Lord, according to your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins, for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to those around, around us. rather. Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. For the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine uh, on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations uh, and the city which is called by your, by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, and for your city and your people are call, who are called by your name. It's actually hard to read on a big wide screen like that. But... 
here's this prayer. Daniel is known as a man of prayer. If you, if you look back in the life of Daniel, you'll see that he prayed, there were several times when he prayed. Um, when the fiery furnace was coming about, it wasn't, Daniel wasn't put in, but his friends were. But that was a time when he rallied them together to pray. When King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he says, oh, you know what, if you don't tell me what the dream is and tell me what the dream's about, I'm gonna kill everybody. Well, what does Daniel do? He goes into prayer. And then we all know the story of the lion's den. The lion's den is prayer is what got him thrown into the lion's den. Prayer can be a controversial thing to get involved in. I'm gonna speak about prayer today, about us and prayer. You know, schools or government, if, if you, if you I mean, prayer is removed from schools now, virtually. Um, I, I was at a graduation where they did a, an invocation at the first of the, uh, at, at, at to open. They had somebody come in and do an invocation. I don't know what you're invoking and who you're asking to invoke it upon you, but, but it was an invocation. Uh, there was nothing about the name of the Lord Jesus. You're, 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 it's just not gonna happen in public. It's controversial. If, if you were to attend some public event, say there's something in Dartmouth, and I said, well, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll come and, and say a few words, and I'll, I'll open in prayer. I would probably be asked to, can you put, send that prayer in to us so we can have a look at it and scan it before you do it? I, I mean, that's happened in places like England and, and in the US, that if it's a public prayer, they wanna scan it and make sure, wait a second, there's one word, one name we don't wanna see in here. And I remember the Fuhrer, this is not with the current U.S. president, if he's still in there today, I don't know. But, but the previous one, I remember Franklin Graham, I think it, was, I think it might have been even Bush, he, he, he was asked to pray, and he prayed in the strong name of Jesus. And there was a furor. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? There's other people other than, than Christians here. Well, you know what? If you want the prayer to be effective, you might want to pray it in the name of Jesus. And if you're a Christian, that's who you're going to pray to. But so it'll, it can bring about persecution. And see, Daniel faced nothing different from that. In fact, Daniel, he prayed, and he ended up being thrown in a lion's den at 80 years old, an old man in a lion's den, because he prayed. You know, Satan hates prayer. And uh, there's, a, there's a couple of reasons for it. One, it spells his demise. We come together and we pray, Satan's in trouble, because we're calling on God to act to work, to do. It's powerful. And you know, the thing is, it doesn't matter whether there's 30 people out to the prayer meeting or three people at the prayer meeting, it's a powerful thing. I'm thankful we're, we're actually growing in our prayer meeting on Thursday night. Come and see, just come and check it out. Just see, see, if, we're, see, see what, if you think it's grown from the last time you were here, but it is. We're, we're, we're getting together and we don't do anything more than come together for one thing, to pray, that's it. We don't come to be taught, we don't come to do anything else, we come to encourage one another and to pray for our needs. You know, the problem for a lot of us, and I put myself in this as well, that sometimes we, when it comes time for prayer, we wait until the bombs are falling. Ah, oh, I can't get out of this one. I need to go to God. I'm in crisis mode. Like, I think I should pray now. You know. You probably should have prayed before that because the problem is once the bombs are falling, they're already on their way and there's gonna be something blow up. Not to say that God's not gonna deliver you from that, but sometimes you've just left it so long and you tried to handle it by yourself and then all of a sudden in desperation, you're, 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 it's too little too late. We need to be praying all the time. 
We need to be praying. And I like how Daniel's praying in preparation before they go back. He's not saying, oh Lord, we've gone back to Jerusalem. I can't believe it. We're no different than when we, when we got here. He prayed before they went back. He prayed in preparation. Are you praying in preparation for what you're going to face? Are you praying in preparation for going back to work on Tuesday? Are you praying in preparation for your child that's not yet born? Are you praying in preparation for your children who are small that are going to grow up? You know, when they're 16 and you start to pray for them, they're probably so deep into the woods by then that I'll tell you what, you gotta, you gotta, you're going to wear your knees out, man, trying to get them back. Pray for them before they're even born. Pray for them while they're young. Pray with them. Teach them to pray. There's a little frog. That's why I put it in the corner. It's called the uh, Madagascar tomato frog. And this is the whole too little, too late thing. The Madagascar tomato frog is very interesting. It oozes out this kind of white poison. So when its enemy comes and munches down on it in its mouth, then all of a sudden it says, trouble. And it squirts out this white waxy, gooey, poison stuff. It blinds the, the, the predator, and it makes his mouth taste awful. No, I won't say that. And, <laughs> and, and then he spits it out, or she spits it out, whatever. The, the predator spits it out. The problem is, it's too little too late. That little frog has been damaged by the first crunch, and then he's oozed out his poison. And now the poor frog is just off left to die somewhere, in the but not in the jaws of a predator because he's been damaged, his bones are broken. Sometimes we, we approach prayer like that. Okay, I'm going to pray right now, but you know what? Already the bombs have fallen all over you and you're in big trouble and it's very difficult to get out of it. Pray ahead of time. I really think that that's what Daniel was doing here. You know, Jesus taught us kind of a model prayer, how to pray. It's, um, it's often called the Lord's Prayer. I don't like to call it that, but I might default to that because everybody calls it that. And I, I remember we used to say it every single day in school for years and years and years. So when people say, oh, prayer's not in school anymore, eh, you don't kind of want that kind of prayer in school. Just saying the same words over and over and over again. They're not going any further than the blackboard. They really aren't. If you say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy, and you say it over and over again every day in school, and you have no clue, you're just saying it because it's something you do, here, I mean, and they, they've, they've taken it out of the schools. I do remember a teacher, though, I had in grade three. Her name was Mrs. McVicker. I, why do I remember her? Because she used to tell my aunt that I was her favorite student. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in 13 years of school, she's the only one that ever said that I was her favorite student. So, so I love that lady. But I remember this lady would start her classes off. She was an old lady. Boy, if you looked at her, you'd, say, you'd probably look at her picture and say, she had to be probably the grumpiest teacher you ever had, the grouchiest one, some days. But she just looked that, she had that demeanor about her. She had the McDonald eyebrow going and all that stuff. So she, she would be up in front of the class. The first thing she would do, she would open up her Bible and she would read something. I don't remember anything she read. I just don't remember. I just remember as a kid... I have a teacher that opens up a Bible every single morning and reads something really quick. And then she would fold her hands and ask the students to, to bow their heads. And we would say, Our Father, because she was made to say, Our Father. And then, she'd, then she would pray. She would pray for the class. I remember a little guy named Michael that had, uh, had somebody in his family died. I don't remember. And I remember praying for Michael. He sat right across the aisle from me. I remember looking at him. He's crying. 
And I had, that's prayer in school. Repeating our Father over and over and over again every day with just, again, for nothing is not prayer in school. But this teacher praying over the class, praying for us, was an amazing thing. All right. Jesus said in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 6, he says, pray then this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. The reason I don't call it the Lord's Prayer is he's saying, forgive us our debts. Jesus had no debts. He had no sins. He had no trespasses. So he's teaching us how we should pray to ask for forgiveness for our sins. This is a model prayer to the disciples as to how they, they, they pray. Now, most of the elements of this prayer are also found in the prayer that Daniel prayed. I guess I meant to do that. So Daniel's prayer is very similar to that model prayer. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer is the rope that you pull down below so that the great bell rings up above in the ears of God. Daniel's prayer has four strands. I have four points this morning, and, and I, you may borrow some of my time with a song, so that's why I'm gonna say that. <laughs> so, there are four points. One, I'm gonna take a little bit of time, and then the rest I'll go really quickly. Four strands in that rope that we pull. First of all, the first strand is humble adoration. You know, when you come to pray, Jesus said, what? Our Father who art in heaven. You are coming to the King of heaven. Daniel's not coming to pray to King Darius. He's not coming to pray to King Nebuchadnezzar. He's coming to the King of heaven. He is coming to the God, the sovereign God of the universe. And you know, that kind of puts things in perspective. We've got to be careful that we're not like, remember the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18? It says, and he prayed thus to himself. Lord, I thank you, I'm not like other men, I'm not like this, not even this public and this tax collector next to me. But it says he prayed thus to himself. And if we don't recognize that we are coming and praying to the God of heaven, we are not connected. We are speaking only to ourselves. A young lawyer had just opened up a law practice and he was sitting in his chair behind the executive desk, made up story, uh, waiting for his first client to come in. And then when he saw the man walking towards his office, he picked up the phone and he began talking to his imaginary assistant. He said, yes, yes, uh, yeah, I'm so busy right now, I'll ask them to call me back. I have so many clients, I just don't have the time. And then he hung up the phone. Surely he impressed his first visitor. And the guy says, I'm from the phone company, I'm here to connect your phone. <laughs> so, so we don't want to be, we don't want to be talking in prayer, and you're only talking to yourself. Bad idea. Uh, R.A. Torrey writes, we should never utter a syllable of prayer in public or private until we are definitely conscious that we are coming into the presence of God and actually praying to Him. It gives you a perspective. You know, if I look at my troubles and I say, this is my troubles right here, and I take my troubles and I'm doing this, God help me. My troubles are huge, I can't see anything but my troubles. That's all I can see, my troubles. Help me, this is impossible, this is all I can do. I, I just need help. Now, I'm going to give this to 
You may. I'll be respectful. It's a hymn book. Now hold it up, you may. We have a large crowd here. Just like we have a large God, don't we? Our God is huge. Now where are my troubles? Where are they? Are they have they gone away? No. Are they still here? Where are they? Oh, there they are. You know what? In light of this big crowd, my troubles are really kind of shrinking down to small because I have a big God and a big God can handle my troubles. But if I hold my troubles up here and I don't look at God and I don't look at my troubles in light of who God is and how big God is and how great my God is, all I'm gonna see is my troubles. But if I push them further away and say, God, I'm coming to you in prayer, but I want to, first of all, I, I need to know, like, are you bigger than my troubles? Yes, you are. And then I read about his holiness. I read about his greatness. I read that he's the king of the universe, that he's made all things. When I, when I, when I get into that zone, huh, wow, can God handle my troubles? Of course he can, because I have a big God. No matter how big the troubles are, no matter how burdensome the, the troubles are, my God is bigger. He does not use words like impossible, or wow, or uh-oh. God never says any of those things. He never has a thought in that direction. He can handle it all. But if I sit with it stuck in front of my face and I leave him out of the whole equation, out of the picture, the trouble will overwhelm me. I need to put it where it is in perspective. Now, Jewish prayers often begin with this little, I, actually, I remember, I used to go to Passover every year. I need water for this. And they used to begin their prayer. Baruch Adonai Elheinu Melech Ahalem. And they'd say this at the first of, of, of the meal. And, they'd, and I remember asking, uh, Brian, what's that mean? I don't know. Okay. I'd ask the dad, what does it mean? He says, we come and we say, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. When they start thinking about being delivered from, from Egypt, they put it in perspective. The great God of heaven has done this. The great God has delivered us from Egypt. We have a great God who has delivered us. Our troubles are small to him. They maybe seem big to us, but let's put them in perspective of who he is. Throughout this, this um, prayer of Daniel, we see the things that he, he talks about God being great in magnitude, great in importance. He's righteous, he's merciful, he's forgiving. Daniel uses terms of adoration in his prayer. Too little time is spent in adoration when we come to God in prayer. Sometimes we just come and we say, okay, God, I gotta talk to you. I need more money. I need a new car. I don't know what to do. Like, this job is killing me. I need a new job. I, I, I need a new brother. I need a new sister. I need two new sisters. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we, we come to God and we, and we just rush right in. Now, I gotta tell you, if I walk through the door at the end of the day coming home with my youngins or young, and I walk through and I say, hey, how is everybody? I need a buck for school. Huh? How is everybody? Like, I, I just, you know, no hi, dad, nothing. I, I, I need this, I need that, I need, I need my diaper changed, I need, you know, whatever. <laughs> Sam, that was Sam. He's <laughs> not here, I'll pick on him. I mean, really, seriously. There's no recognition of who I am. There's no recognition. And see, sometimes we just come to God and we just dump our knee. Boom, here you go, God, truckload. And I haven't even recognized who you are. I haven't thanked you for anything. I haven't recognized anything about you. But here you go. Here's my problems. Fix it. Now, 
I mean, at work, I'm the boss, and people will come in and say, boom, here's my problem, blah, 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 blah. And I'll usually look at them and say, so how was your weekend? <laughs> uh, like, really, like recognize who God is. Adoration, if you start with that, see, for some people, prayer is like an aspirin. They just do it ritualistically. I'll take two of these every day. I'll pray twice a day. You know what? They're just kind of ritual sort of things. I'll give thanks at the table. And then when I have a problem, I'm just going to go to God with this big headache. Or an emergency room. Like they get to the point where they say, yikes, I'm in huge trouble here. 911. God, I got a problem. Fix it. It doesn't work that way. For others, it's like a first class hotel. They think, huh, I have God, yes. I've been taught that he will meet all my needs and I have nothing but prosperity to look forward to. Ding, ding, God, you're the bellhop. Come and fix my needs. Come and give me, bless me. It doesn't work that way. We come and we look at God for who he is. We recognize who he is. He is the king of the universe. He is the greatest person you will ever know. If he's the greatest person and the greatest God and the greatest that ever existed, wouldn't it, isn't it worth getting some time to get to know him? It really is. I mean, if Wayne Gretzky said, I'm going to come and stay, the greatest hockey player of all time, I'm going to stay at your place for a couple of days. Like, you know what, I'm not going to leave him. Every meal, hey Wayne, coffee, tea, all that stuff's right there. Fix your own breakfast. I'm, I'm going to go off and play with my iPad in the other room. No, 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 no. I'm going to sit and I'm going to chat with him. Boy, I want to get to know him. So here we have the God of heaven. The one who made all things. The one who made you. The one who knows everything about you. The one who sent his son to die for you. Shouldn't we get to know him? Shouldn't we spend some time with him before we go and just dump our needs? You know, the thing is, the longer we are in the Christian life, we should be growing. I have a grandson. Anybody? I don't know if you knew that. I have a grandson. <laughs> but, but I remember, like, how would he ask for something? He's getting better. Not much better. But how does he ask for something? Wah! Wah! Okay, what's he want? Food, water, clothing, shelter, whatever. Like, so then you go and get it. At some point in time, Eric is going to say, Camden, use your words. Apple, water, fettuccine, whatever. So he's going to, going to learn to use his words. And, and, and he'll speak. But it'll always be, for a while, water, apple, strawberry. I want, I want, I want. And notice it's always food. You should see him. So... As you grow and you start losing your, using your words, when you get older, do you ever notice how you communicate differently? You know, I, I really like a, an apple, but let's, let's, let's just let's chat for a minute. And then as you get older, I don't call my mother and say, hi, mom, uh, I really want a biscuit and a cup of tea. No. I call and say, mom, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything, like, just how are you doing? How, how's your life going? How, how are things with you? As you mature, your focus moves away from your own needs to understanding and loving the person that you're talking to. Dwight Moody said, tells a story of his eight-year-old son came into his room one time he was preparing for a message. Dwight Moody was a great preacher. And his little eight-year-old son came in and he sat down and, and Moody looked up from his study and said, hi son, what do you want? And the little boy said, daddy, I don't want anything. I just want to be where you are. Now, a sweet story. But you know what? I come to the Lord's Supper on, on, at 9.30. And again, another thing to check out if you haven't come. But I come to the Lord's Supper at 9.30 and I sit there and I think, I don't want anything. 
I just want to be here and hear about Jesus. I just want to hear about what he's done for me week after week. I just want to be here in his presence. That's all. I just want to sit in the room with him. And that's, that's the way it should be. Now, I told you I'd spend a lot of time on the first point. Now I'm going to zip through the next couple of points. Strand number two. Daniel uh, confesses again, over and over again, how they blew it. How the Jewish people just blew it over and over again. He goes right back to the time of Moses. And he goes through all the prophets and he goes through the history of, of how, you know what God, this captivity that's on us, well deserved. We blew it. We sinned. We were wrong. I gotta be honest, this is my fault. There's a Psalm, Psalm 51, where David, after his sin with not only the sin with Bathsheba, but sent Bathsheba's husband out to be murdered in battle, and all the stuff that went on, and then he pours out his heart in Psalm 51. It's probably one of the greatest confessions of all, of all the scriptures, and you read through that. And there's been times when I know I've blown it in my own life, and I think, what do I do? And I'll pick up my Bible, I'll open it up to Psalm 51, and I'll read it through. Against you, and you only have I sinned, it says. It puts it in perspective. My sin is against the God of heaven. Again, it's against a loving God who made me. It's against the God who loved me and sent his son to die for me. I read that and I have to use those words that are the hardest to say, the six most important words in, the langu- in, the, in our language. I admit that I was wrong. We blew it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with coming even to a prayer reading and saying, look, I gotta tell you, I need prayer. I blew it this week. This is what I did. Or go to one, a friend and say, you know what, it wasn't against you, but I blew it against somebody else, and here's what I did. Or I blew it against God. Or my life's a mess because of this. Confessing your sins one to another, the Bible says. But most of all, when you get into prayer, you need to know you're coming before God who knows everything, and confess. You know, you're saying, well, doesn't he know I'm a sinner? Doesn't he know that I've sinned against him? Yeah, but sometimes he wants to hear it from you. If I offend my wife, Do you think she knows it? Absolutely. But sometimes she wants to hear me come and say, you know what, honey? I messed up. I never called her honey. You know what, sweetheart? I messed up. I really blew it. Here's what I did. And I'm sorry that I hurt you. She knows that. But she wants to hear it from me. That's part of getting right with her. And part of getting right with God is honest confession to him. Jesus said, forgive us our debts or our transgressions. Forgive us, God when we pray. Also, what's interesting is Daniel understood that he was part of a bigger thing. He didn't say, they blew it. The sinners blew it. Your priests blew it. The guys in the sound booth blew it. He didn't say any of that stuff, although they're supposed to blame the sound booth. (laughs) He's saying, we blew it. He uses we 16 times, our 17 times, us nine times. He's putting himself right in there with the rest of the sinners. We blew it, God. We blew it. There's no comfort in that, but it's the truth. Isaiah chapter 6, when we see the holiness of God, Isaiah comes, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. He recognizes, I am a sinner, and I'm coming before a holy God. It's part of our prayer. It should be part of every prayer. We're sinners, but we've been forgiven if you're a believer. Leonard Ravenhill writes this, he says, 
he's a preacher again from down the south, he says, the self-sufficient do not pray, the self-satisfied will not pray, and the self-righteous cannot pray. So why does Daniel need to pray? Because God wants to hear from him what the people have done. He knows what they've done, but he wants to hear it. Daniel uses words like shame, meaning embarrassment or guilt. Guilt, there's a word that we don't use anymore in our day. Guilt, whoa, can't use that. Nobody's guilty of anything, come on. You've got to be kidding me. But guilt is true. We've offended God, we've offended others, we, we are guilty. There's two kinds of guilt, there's bad guilt. That's the insecure person who just feels guilty about everything all the time. That's not good, you need to deal with that. But there's good guilt. Good guilt is when people feel guilty because they are guilty. They have done something and they've sinned against God. And they recognize that and they come to a savior and they repent and they are forgiven. That's good guilt. Bad guilt is just going around all the time saying, oh, I'm, just, I'm guilty of everything all the time. So Daniel stops, he prays in his prayers, he goes upward, he looks to God. He prays inward, he looks to his own sin. And now he's going to pray outward. Heartfelt petition. He looks outward, he prays, when he sees what's happening around him, he prays for others. He prays specifically, he asks God to listen, to look, to act, to do it. The word amen means so be it or do it. God, he says in verse, uh, hmm. oh I put it there, good. He says, it, if you look at it in, uh, he says in verse 18, he says, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, God, for your city, for your people who are called by your name. He's calling on God, please, for these people, for, for everybody, please act. When we come to prayer meeting, it is to pray for others. It's work, it's labor. Paul talks of uh, a man named Epaphras in Colossians chapter four, verse 12. And he's thankful for his labor in prayer. Prayer is hard work. We don't call them prayer warriors because it's easy. Prayer warriors, they're working hard. They're on the front lines. You know, the thing is, we got to get intercessory prayer into our lives where we're praying for others. If all of the time we go to God and we're praying and it's only for ourselves, it's only for our needs, you become a spiritual couch potato. Do you know what a couch potato is? Do you guys know what a couch potato is? I know you just, okay, I knew it. You don't have couch potatoes in, uh, in uh, maybe the couch yams, I don't know. <laughs> but a couch potato in North America is a person who sits around on their couch, actually they stretch out on their, on their sofa all day long watching TV, eating potato chips. And they're no more use than a potato. They just lie there and get bigger and bigger and bigger and they're a couch potato. Yeah. Oh Lord, I've been a couch potato. <laughs> but, but, that, but that's what a couch potato does. They just sit around and you know what? We can be spiritual couch potatoes. I'm thinking only about myself. I just feed me, just somebody bring me more, feed me more. I'm gonna think about myself, think about myself, and you know what, I'm just gonna get fatter and fatter and fatter in my own soul, and I'm gonna forget about everybody else. And you're a spiritual couch potato. And you know what you end up turning to? You turn to criticism instead of prayer. If I'm not praying for Ken, I'm criticizing him. 
If I'm not praying for you folks, I'm criticizing you. And then you get into criticism, and then you get into slander, and then you get into gossip. Hey, did you hear about Kathy Draper? Blah, blah, blah. And, and you start gossiping all around. You haven't done a good thing at all. You're not praying for them. You've not got into the... So, you know, yesterday my neighbor comes over. I'm cutting the lawn, back and forth. And I get it all done, and I put the thing away, and I can see out of the corner of my eye, and I think, I don't want to talk to this guy. I just want to get inside. I got, I got a message to work on. Like, oh, no. And it's going to be, it's always a long talk with Stuart. And he's coming across, and he's coming this way. And boom, we meet at the end of the hedge. And I'm thinking, oh, hi, Stuart. He goes, hi, David. How are you? And I said, I'm fine. How are you? He said, I've had better days. I said, oh, okay. Things not well? He says, no. I just found out I have lung cancer. just found out I had lung cancer. I've been praying for him ever since. And you know, there are a lot of people with a lot of troubles. But if I only get my mind on my own stuff that's going on, if, I, if I'm just in my own funk all the time, and I don't pray for them, how cold and how callous that is. Here's a man who needs the Lord. Here's the man who, who, who's facing the biggest challenge and fight of his life. I need to pray for him. I need to be in tune with that. I need to automatically need to default. Okay, I need to pray for you. When you come to me and say something, I don't need to go away and say, oh, Esther, you got to hear this. But this is what Kathy Draper, since we're picking on her, this is what Kathy Draper said to me today. Blah, 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 gossip, criticism, blah, blah, blah. No. It, the default, if you're mature and walking with the Lord, should be to pray for them. All right, I got, really got to move. Pray for me. Um, Get to my final point here. For, lastly, it's holy motivation. When you look at what Daniel was saying here, he's praying, Lord, this is for your sake. It's your city. It's your people. It's your land. It's, it's, it's for you. It's for your reputation. I, I, I highlighted it so you can see it. I'm, I won't read it through it again. I, I just read this a minute ago. But look how many times you see made for yourself a name. Your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of your mercies, your name, your name, your name, your own sake. That's why we pray. We pray for the Lord's sake. We want his reputation to ring through the land. We want him to be reflected in our lives. You know, going back to Leonard Ravenhill, and I don't know a whole lot about him, but I do know something interesting. Because I looked him up. Google's wonderful that way. On his headstone... It says, right at the bottom of his headstone, are the things that you are living for worth Christ dying for? Are the things that you are living for worth Christ dying for? So when we come to God, are we coming to him and asking him in the right motives? James chapter 4, 1 to 3, it says, we go with the wrong motives in our prayer, with our own lusts, our own desires, our own asks, and we ask amiss, and you're wondering why God doesn't answer it, because you're going with the wrong motives. You know, the other thing I put this in, it's really difficult to be angry with someone if you're praying for them. If I'm praying for you, it's pretty hard to be upset and angry with you. It puts things in the right perspective. Jesus said, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We should end our prayers thinking of the kingdom of God and thinking of Him and our work for Him. All right, what's my conclusion on this? First question. How's your prayer life? How's my prayer life? How is it? Put the thermometer in it. Is it hot? Is it cold? How's it going? Only answer that to yourself. 
Do you prepare for prayer with the Word of God? That's what Daniel did. He went to the Word of God. He read Jeremiah. Whew, I really need to go to God in prayer after reading these words. Do you enjoy spending time with God? Do you know Him? If you don't know Him, get to know Him. You have access to the heavens. You have access to the God of heaven through prayer. I put this in, pull the rope and pull it frequently. The four strands, adoration, confession, petition, and holy motivation. Grab that rope with those four strands and pull it. Pull it frequently. Go to God as often as you can in prayer. But remember, don't rush in and just say, God, I need, I, God, I want. There are times to do that. Yes, I know, you see a car coming at you the other way on the wrong side of the road. Yes, you're gonna need that. But when you come and daily sit down with God to pray, Come to him and think about who he is. Come to him in adoration, in worship. Confess your sins to him. Ask him for what you need for that day. Give us this day our daily bread. And then ask for the needs of others. Intercession for others. Think about others in your prayer. And it should all come out of holy motivation. That you will grow, that you will be better, that you will walk with him. Father, thank you this morning for this time to, to speak to you, to speak about you, to speak about your word, but to speak to you. You are the God of heaven. It's an amazing thing that we can come and boldly approach you and ask. The fact that, that the God who's made, of all, made all things, the one who is greater than all things, will allow us to come into his presence. And not just to come into his presence, but to come as a child of God. That's an amazing thing. That's an awesome thing. And I pray that you would help us to approach you. Help us to examine our lives. Are we praying? Are we praying effectively? Is there sin in our lives that we need to confess? Are there others that we've ignored that we need to pray for? Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't think I could just end.